Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno Shoemaker, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. While it's encouraging if your business is doing well, it's crucial to consider future challenges and growth opportunities to ensure longevity. In this episode, we're highlighting several business experts on business management tips to help your business grow and evolve to meet the rapid pace of change. So what do you know about ESG? It might not sound like something that's part of an accountant's job, but there are several things happening now that make it critical to the perception and brand of a company along with its financial results. We hear from Mary Adams, founder of Smarter Companies. On the simplest level, Jessica, ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance. And that may not sound immediately like something that's part of an accountant's job or, you know, even uh, completely relevant to a hard-nosed business person because uh, the environmental and the social part are clearly external to the, to the business. Uh, but there are a number of things that are happening now that make it absolutely critical to not only the, you know, perception and the brand of a company, but also to its financial results. Why do you think ESG is growing in popularity? I'm, I'm seeing it a lot more in the news, hearing other professionals talk about it. Why is it suddenly coming to the forefront? So I think, you know, this has been around for a long time and where it started, it was really about people living their values saying, I believe that it's important that we do, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank, that we don't dump um, poisons into a river, that we uh, try to save energy, that we find a more diverse workforce, that we think about the health and well-being of our employees, uh, you know, that we contribute to our society. So those are all decisions that companies have made for a, a lot of reasons, um, not always driven by profitability. And um, that's clearly where this movement started. But what's happened, uh, there's a really interesting thing that's happened now, it, which is that uh, some of these issues around ESG, specifically climate change and a lot of social changes, uh, have become so marked and so prevalent that the largest investment companies in the world look at these and say, wait a second, these are now systemic risks and there's no way that we can take our portfolios and diversify away from this risk. And so, you know, these huge, the biggest investors is where it started, the Black Rocks and State Streets of the world. And they're controlling significant, well, you're not controlling, but they're, they're managing significant segments of, of, the wor wor of the money that's out there in the market. And so uh, when they say, well, we need to protect ourselves from these systemic risks, then it becomes a, the only way that they can do that is to enforce and try to uh, encourage change in how companies are thinking about those risks as well. And so this has led to a whole movement around measurement, which we could talk to in a, about in a second. Um, and it's moved for a lot of pressure on companies 
specifically public companies, but it's rolling very quickly through the rest of the market. Um, pressure on them to report about these issues. And of course, more than just report on them to actually make material improvements. So, you know, if you want to take a step back, it started with a values perspective, but now it's really become a value issue. It's about risk and opportunity and innovation. So it, there's, you know, in every risk, there's opportunity, right? So it's about corporate valuation and it's also about profitability. People are becoming more comfortable with finding the specific kind of resources they need, said Lee Fredrickson, a managing partner at Hinge, a firm for professional services. They're looking for relevant expertise, more so than just the relationship. Here's what Lee had to say about how to retain business. It's an important thing and it's sort of changing. Uh, one of the ways it used to be, uh, I think, of most relationships in the professional services is was really the relationship you have, the relationship with the client. It was seen as a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship. Uh, and what is changing is that people are becoming more and more comfortable with finding the specific kind of resource they need that understands their industry, their business, and has solved the kind of problem they've solved before. So in other words, they're looking for really relevant expertise, uh, more so than just the relationship. You know, and I think there are probably multiple reasons for that, some of them having to do with the availability of technology, which makes it much easier to find specific kind of resources. Uh, than it has been before, and also uh, people's comfort as consumers, where they've uh, learned that you can buy things online and you can get just exactly what you're looking for with just exactly the right specifications uh, if you uh, search online. And that's what they're doing more and more for professional services. And I know you mentioned expertise is crucial. Can you tell me more about, you know, some new approaches that businesses should take when they're thinking about retaining their current clients? Yeah, uh, I think with uh, the key thing with expertise is uh, there's two gaps that need to be closed. One of them is your understanding of what the client's real needs are where they are. And, and generally, this is best done by focusing on what are their key business priorities that they're working on. And, you know, in a modern organization these days, people often have multiple priorities, and they often shift quite quickly. And so one of the best ways to retain is to understand those shifts and to be able to make the connection between your services and how your services help them uh, address these new challenges, these new issues. Uh, the other kind of gap that is equally as important is helping your clients understand how you can help them. And one of the things that our research shows is that uh, we are very bad about uh, helping our clients understand the full range of services. Uh, and even though we've told them one time what the services are, uh, people forget, they get busy, and they're not sure. So we've, we've seen this phenomena where someone goes to a competitor of yours 
for a service that you're perfectly capable of offering and maybe often do it better than the competitor does, but the client, your client didn't know you do that and doesn't think to ask you. Uh, so it really is incumbent on the person who wants to retain your clients more to be able to understand what's going on with them and to close that communication gap so they understand how you can help them. And from what you're saying, it sounds like an important uh, aspect of this is being agile, being able to change um, where maybe clients um, to anticipate client needs as they're changing. Is that correct? That, that's absolutely correct. And I think that's a good way of thinking about it, being agile and flexible. Uh, as a matter of fact, we've seen the uh, the client service, in other words, being flexible and being able to uh, adapt what you're doing as an important, increasingly important selection criteria. Uh, you know, let's face it, organizations are faced with a lot of challenges and a lot of changes. And, uh, you know, so one of the keys is changing as fast as your client's environment is changing. So as your client's environment changes, as their competitive space changes, you need to be changing at least as fast as they are so you can continue to be relevant to what your clients are looking for. And when we talk about change, is that something you think, and being agile and being able to you know, adapt to these client needs, is that something you think enough employers are doing right now? Or do you think it's just a struggle for them well, I think it's a struggle for for many uh, to be able to change that fast because, uh, you know, some uh, professions and some segments have really been built on stability and predictability uh, where you're doing things uh, on a reoccurring regular basis, helping the person comply you know, with certain kinds of regulations and so forth. And that sort of requires you have processes and, and stability in your organization. Uh, on the other hand, the business environment we're in is very volatile uh, with markets changing literally overnight uh, that can have big impacts on markets. So following that and you know really jessica that really starts between your ears that starts with how you view what your task is as an organizational leader uh, and as a practice leader uh, about uh, your ability to adapt what you're doing so I, I think you have to adjust your internal processes and your internal ways of doing things have to become more flexible and adaptable than they have in the past Samit Mahajan, Global Chief Sales Officer at Datamatics Business Solutions, said companies are beginning to use a global operating model with their consultants to continue evolving into trusted business advisors. This helps cement their status with clients. Before I start addressing some of the aspects around the challenges that companies are facing, the CPA companies are facing, um, I do believe that these COVID times have actually been instrumental in changing the working model across CPA companies. So, you know, prior to this period when we would be having discussions with our clients, um, especially small and medium-sized enterprises, 
would always understand and appreciate a global working model, but it was very difficult for them to first set up the ways of working and second, drive acceptability across both their client base and their working teams. And I think COVID made remote happen. And once this uh, you know, train had left the station, we could see the change in the way our clients were reaching out to us to take on more because now the element was not about you know, where you are sitting, you could be in New York and you could be servicing a California company and you could be sitting in Mumbai and servicing the same California company. The aspect that was critical was timeliness, quality, you know, aspects of that. And I think to, to, to answer your question about what you just talked about, you know, we actually did a survey when we ran a webinar with one of our clients, BTI, you know, late last year. And we asked them the same question you know, it gives slightly more color to uh, more challenges that CPA companies are facing. So we asked them, what are the top three challenges that you're facing? The number one was exactly which you just defined, the, the talent crunch, the resignation problem, right? Um, the second one uh, was that while uh, there was a talent crunch, the amount of work coming in into CPA companies had actually increased. The, the, the COVID accounting, as they called it, was making things more complicated for smaller and medium enterprises to manage their books. And the needs that they were uh, sending to the CPA companies had actually increased. So on one side, the talent, talent crunch, the other side, you have to manage uh, uh, um, you know, an increased workflow. And the third element that they were trying to grapple with was they still needed to evolve into creating a best-in-class process model. So now, you know, all of these three things actually lent themselves very well to some of the value that we were delivering to our clients. So in a way, if I go point by point, I think the first point, which is in a way your question as well, the talent crunch, given that we are in uh, Mumbai, India, which is the financial capital like the New York of the US, uh, now our clients had an access to one of the largest accounting talent pool in the world. There are around 120,000 graduates that uh, come out of schools every year. And so here you have a a uh, rich talent pool where a young guy is excited about taking on bookkeeping, accounting work on one side. On the other, you have qualified accountants coming out that can help our CPA clients with their audit and assurance work, right? So in a way, this gave them an element of uh, depth in talent pool as well as breadth in talent pool. So that was the first element that we were able to help our clients with. Now, if I talk about the second element, which is the growth element that we were talking about. Now, for the CPA companies, when they were getting this element of growth, they needed to ensure the two paramount thing of any work, which is saying one, the timeliness of work and the quality of work. And as they started working with our uh, teams in Mumbai, 
they could start tapping into the 24-hour clock. So as you go home, you are winding your day, there is somebody else that picks up that work and that ensures, you know, you are actually able to turn around uh, tasks and worksheets faster than what you were able to do when you had people just around you. And then the second element was, you know, the quality actually was going up because both the talent was rich, but more important was we have a quality framework which ensures there's a maker checker. There is a random sampling of some of the outputs that are going on, are going out to our clients. And the third element of that is there is a very clear cut communication mechanism that we put in place to ensure that there is no mismatch of expectations. So a CPA client can clearly set expectations with their end client saying, hey, this is when we will send you the work. And that way, the team sitting in Mumbai and the CPA client and their end client are sort of in one line on expectation of uh, you know, when that output will come out. And the third point, which, which I talked about, the third point was, how do they work towards creating a business model ready for the future? This is where, you know, from our side, there are three elements that kick in. One, we have, uh, process black belts that will actually come in, analyze some of your processes. If you have a mature process, we can help you remove, as we call it, NVAs, non-value added activities. We have uh, partnerships with the QuickBooks of the world where we can work with you to, if you have a manual or homegrown systems, we can help you move to QuickBooks, Zero, Sage. You know, we have experts on that. And the third element of it is, in some cases, our clients have very robust processes. When we are dealing with large clients, they have robust processes. We help them implement RPS, right? Robots that can go into the process, streamline, and make the process both faster and more effective. They're less prone to errors. So I, I sort of gave a longish answer to your question, but I sort of wanted to address it in a more wholesome manner because, you know, I talk to clients every you know every week and i can sort of see some of these being parrot of paramount importance to them as they grow into the future thank you to all of our business experts who shared their expertise if you have an idea for a podcast you can contact me at jay salerno j-s-a-l-e-r-n-o at ohiocpa.com and please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts